hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. Hi, I'm Amanda Hall and I want to encourage you with this podcast. I'm going to just start dropping one new podcast a week. It might be um, from a service that we have at our church, Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois, or something I just sit down. It might be joined um, by a guest, but I'm changing it up from when I started this podcast in May and I'm glad you're joining me. I don't want you to drown in the circumstances around your life. I don't want you to drown in the difficulties that are happening in this world and the darkness that seems to be growing uh, darker and invading so many areas in life. I'm telling you, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways, but we can connect with heaven's perspective for every issue that we have in life. Enjoy this podcast. Well, Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you, Lord, for just the opportunity uh, to be here tonight. We're going to jump in, um, continuing to study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord, that at the entrance of your word comes light. Grant to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation tonight by flooding the eyes of our hearts with light. Let us see what we haven't seen before. Let it become more real to us. Um, Lord God, develop Uh, that relationship that each one of us has with the Holy Spirit tonight as we continue to study in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it's been a while because during 21 days, obviously, of prayer and fasting, we focused more on prayer and fasting. But but a few months back, we started to know and flow with the Holy Spirit, and we're actually technically on part seven. But what I want to talk about tonight is that um, something that when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost and and started in the things of the Spirit. I was not taught this way. But every one of us, as born-again believers, have a right to every gift of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us have a right to every gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's an important truth for us to know um, because otherwise we get this concept, which was kind of the way um, that, that I was taught, that, you know, well, so-and-so has the gift of prophecy and so-and-so has the gift of working of miracles and so-and-so really operates in, in a word of knowledge, you know, or whatever. Um, but the reality is when we look at the word of God, we have to understand that every one of us have a right to every gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it is evident when you look at people, in particular when you look at ministers, right, you can see people like, man, that one really seems to operate a lot in what some kind of some kind of gift of healing. You know, maybe they always see deaf people hear or you know blind people see or lame people walk or you know what I mean? Like you you can see that in people, right? Like you can see certain gifts almost take um a, a, a greater measure of accomplishment in some people. But it doesn't mean that every gift isn't available to all of us. And I think that that's the key for us to understand because I'm a firm believer um, in what the Word of God says that if we pursue after it, diligently seeking, pursuing, and cultivating it, then, then God's going to, you know, He's going to use us in it. So let's go first to Acts 1.8 just because I kind of want to start back there. A well-known verse. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, but Acts 1.8 first. <clears throat> Because here's the, here's the thing about the gifts of the Spirit. And I kind of want to hit them from this, this way uh, tonight. That they really are weapons of our warfare. And that's why I say every one of us as believers have a right to every gift. 
When you consider their weapons of our warfare, the Word of God tells us in the book of Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, right? That if they're weapons of our warfare, there's not one weapon that God is going to withhold from those that walk with Him that have a real relationship. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, and the God ain't gonna, no good thing does he withhold from those that love him, the scripture says, right? It, it also tells us that he teaches our hands to war. So if he teaches us how to war, he would never withhold a weapon that we need to be able to destroy every stronghold, amen? And so I think, you know, sometimes um, we have to come to the word of God with fresh eyes. And over the years, that's what I've done because the teaching that I had early on in the things of the Spirit was a little tilted, I think, to one side, you know. And um, when I came to see it a little bit differently, people wanted to argue with me about it. And that's fine. People got a right, you know what I mean? They, they got a right to see it how they want to see it. But I know from personal experience and, and, and then taking what the Word of God says, if you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you can't deny it. When it says, but you shall receive power. And in the Amplified Classic, it says ability, efficiency, and might. You could also say energy. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends and the very bounds of the earth. You shall receive power, ability, might, energy, and efficiency to be my witnesses. And when you stop to see when Jesus walked this earth, what made people follow him? Why did people follow him? Because he performed miracles. He healed the sick, right? He cast out demons. That's why people followed him. Now, you can't be a very powerful witness without <laughs> those things following you. Like, people might listen, but then they're going to argue. Like in the United States, more so today, people just, they don't even want to hear it. Like when I was growing up, people, you know, a lot of people, granted I grew up in a small town, so it wasn't a lot of people, but even most, of the, probably 80% of the people I went to school with went to church. Now they were all different kinds of churches, right? They were Lutheran churches, Methodist churches, Christian churches, Pentecostal churches, Assembly of God churches, Baptist churches, Southern Baptist, American Baptist, you know what I mean? Like Catholic, like, and these were in small town, you know what I mean? But most people went to church. Nowadays, I would say, it's flipped the other way around. There's a lot less people that actually go to church, even people that call themselves Christians. But if you go into other nations where they have all kinds of gods, you know, little g, but you know what I'm saying, but they also encounter witchcraft and all kinds of forms where they see demonic power at work, you're not ever going to be able to convince them that Jesus is Lord if you don't have supernatural power working, Right? In America, you might be able to get away with it some. But anywhere else, you're not going to get away with it. You go down to some place, let's say like, well, like um, well, Haiti or something, you know, where they have so much witchcraft and they interweave voodoo and all this stuff. And they know what power is. It might be dark and demonic, but they know what power is. You go into many of these nations in Africa, they know what power is. So you better come with something that's stronger if you say it is. And you can't just talk about it. <laughs> Right? There has to be a demonstration of it. So I always remember, I can't, I wish I could remember the details of this, but I remember I heard Tiff Shuttlesworth, Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, and then I've heard his son, uh, 
Pastor Jonathan talked about it too. About I don't remember what nation Tiff was in. He was doing some meetings. And I think they were outdoor meetings, kind of like a tent, pavilion-like um, area. And um, he was, one night he was there preaching. And somebody came in, and I think it was a tent, so don't quote me on this. But he, he was headed with him with like a machete or something. He was headed uh, to Tiff because he, you know, obviously was demonically possessed. And Tiff, he saw him, but he just kept preaching. And that guy got within a probably about four feet of the platform and was like he hit a brick wall and went down. And then like the next night, the same thing happened again. Somebody, and the same thing. Like that's power. Like that kind of power. Like he didn't have to do anything but preach the word, trust what God had said and told him to do, and that his word in itself contains power. I mean, if somebody's coming at you with a machete, <laughs> that's power right there, right? <laughs> and so, you know, like you better not go into them foreign fields without assurance that you carry Holy Ghost power. And so when Acts 1.8 tells us, that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. It means it. The same kind of power that Jesus carried when he walked this earth. The same thing we see in, you know, Peter, James, John, Stephen, Philip. You know what I mean? Paul, we, Timothy, you go on and on and on. You know, it, that's the same Holy Ghost. It, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I mean, it's the same one. And so when we understand that, then we should understand that every single one of us have the right to every gift of the Holy Spirit. Because then knowing that we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, if you go over to 1 Corinthians 14, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us access to the power, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are then the avenues or the conduits, if you will, in which that power flows. Does that make sense? Right? And so the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit now gives us that power and access to the power, but the gifts of the Spirit are actually the conduits through which that power flows. And so it's important. And I think sometimes what happens too is that we wanna we wanna box the gifts into very confined, defined things that we miss the, the fullness of it. And I think we have to be careful. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 1, this was the scripture right after I became baptized in the Holy Ghost that really stood out to me in, in the Amplified Classic. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And it reads, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your great quest. And earnestly desire... And cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts. Especially that you may prophesy and interpret the divine will and purpose and inspired preaching and teaching. Man, I jumped on that. Well, I'm telling you, like white on rice, as they say. I was like, he tells me right here to earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. I wanted to do that. And, and then he goes on to say, especially to prophesy. I want to do that. And so... That's where the Lord... And then if you look over in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, you'll see this, this, the same um, exhortation pretty much in verse 31, 1 Corinthians 12, the final verse of that chapter. 
It says, but earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choicest graces. See, so he tells us here, and I don't know how come many times as Christians, we miss these verses. Like we, each one of us need to desire the gifts, you know, because when you consider that faith really is a hopeful expectation, I think it's a passion translation says faith gets what it expects because that's basically what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? And so if we have the faith and the expectation that since we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that he's going to use us in these gifts and then allow him to teach us how to operate in them and then cultivate them when we do start to operate in them, then it makes a difference in our lives. It makes a difference. It's made a difference in mine, right? So I always feel like I say this all the time. I think every person is born with a gift from God, if at least one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're all bent towards certain things that we just tend to be really good at, even from the time um, we're little. I always feel like one of the things that God gifted me with in birth was to teach, an ability to teach, because even as a young person, I was able to explain things to other young people that they could understand, right? And all through my life. Um, and so I've always utilized that in, in some way or another. And so I began to, because it was something I could do, um, even as a young person in the Lord, I began early on at 22 years old doing just that, teaching children Sunday school and then having Bible study, you know, for adults. Why? Because it was a gift that I had and I started to use it. Well, as I started to use that and then began to, to do this, then I realized that in a sense is a, is a part of a gift of prophecy. But then I asked the Lord, begin to use me in a greater measure in the gift of prophecy. And, and so then he, he, he started to do that. And with that often came words of knowledge, whereas I would, God would tell me to pray for somebody and I'd pray for someone and I, something would come out of my mouth that I wasn't even, I'd just say whatever the Lord said. And when we're all done, they would come up to me afterwards and say, you know, when you said, that's the exact thing I was just saying to God, you know, three days ago or whatever. That's a word of knowledge right there. When you pinpoint word for word what God has said to somebody, there's no way, I don't even know them, right? And so, and then, you know, through the time, then he began to, to show me how to work you know, like I always feel like you cast out demons, that's, that's working the miracles right there. <laughs> you don't really not much effort in it, but because it's, 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 it's really in everything else, really, it's him doing it. We're just the vessels he's using, right? Like I said, I mean, I've accidentally cast out demons. <laughs> didn't even really know that I was, but because I was speaking a word and praying for somebody in the power of the Holy Ghost, the next thing I know, bam, like you could feel it. You know what I mean? And the whole countenance of that person changed like, Whoa! And then the whole place erupted with joy, right? Because everybody could see a difference in that young man. I didn't even realize what I was doing, you know? And so, um, but because I earnestly desired to operate in the power of God the way that Jesus did. And so I think it's really important for us to understand that when we earnestly desire the things that please God, and then he tells us to, <laughs> it'd be different. <laughs> he, if he didn't, but he tells us, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Desire them. It, and he's not going to withhold them. Because oftentimes what we have this idea, well, 
you know, Amanda does that because, you know, well, the Lord's called her to be in full-time ministry and she's a pastor. Amanda was doing these things long before, you know, I even recognized that I was called into ministry, right? And long before I ever even stepped in to ministry because I just believe what God's word says. So this, we have to understand that as believers, it's our right to every gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, you, got, you guys got any questions on that so far? No? Good? Okay. Now, last time, which has been a while, so I, I was talking about the importance of unity um, in, in the gifts. And if I don't know if you remember this, Sherry, or not, but when we were talking before, I, I said one of the things that we should do is we should read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14 together. Don't divide them into chapters, but read them, if you will, as one longer dissertation that Paul is giving about spiritual gifts because they really are that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. They're like a, a, a brief dissertation that Paul gives about the spiritual gifts. Now, what a lot of people want to do is they want to pull 1 Corinthians 13 out of there because they, they want to focus on the love factor of it, but it's actually talking about spiritual gifts, okay? And so we have to understand, I talked about a strong foundation and how unity, when you look in, in, in chapter 12, um, it talks about how we're... Uh, Look in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is a unity and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ. So there's really two sides to a strong foundation of the gifts of the Holy Ghost to operate. This is one for you as an individual, but also for them to flow properly in the body of Christ. Unity, being of one mind and one spirit. When we come into agreement, it's like when we come in here on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord, you can always tell when people come in hungry. Like, you know, like you hit that first note on a keyboard and everybody's there. You know what I mean? And another time... It's like pulling a train. Like, I don't know if people still sleeping or if they were yelling at their kids on the way, you know what I mean, to church or whatever it was, but it's taking people a little bit longer. And I'm not saying that to pass judgment because I've been there before. I'm just making a point, right? Like, you can always tell. Um, like, sometimes we all come in and people are ready to worship the Lord. People are ready to praise God. And you can tell, like, you can get quick into that place where you can allow the Spirit of God to really flow and you begin to worship God and you can feel um, that presence. So unity is, is one of those things, but the other thing is love. And so that's, that's what chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians talks about. So two sides of that foundation for the gifts of the Spirit to really flow are unity and love. And I think this is such an important thing. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13... <clears throat> um, if you look in verse 1, it says, okay, you see here he's talking about gifts of the Spirit. If I speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, then I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, if I have prophetic powers, right? If I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. 
And if I have faith, if I have that gift of faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, then I am nothing. And in verse 3, if I, if I dole out all that I have to, to the poor and provide you food, or surrender my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so he's, he, even though he's teaching on love here, he's really teaching on the function, how the gifts of the Spirit function. These gifts don't mean anything if there is no love. And so many times we have to understand that. And, and so it's important. And I mean, I know for me personally over the years, not, I mean, I've always liked people. Um, but, you know, sometimes some people are not so easy to like. <laughs> and they probably think the same thing about me, right? So, you know, and, and I could say probably in the past, there have been times in my life when I went to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but I wasn't operating out of a spirit of love. I was maybe operating, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying specifically, I can't pinpoint a time, it specifically, some, but you know, maybe I was operating more of a spirit of division, or I was operating out of a spirit of anger, and not out of a spirit of love, right? And it's important, if you want the gifts of the Spirit to really flow, and flow well, and efficiently and, and hit their mark, it has to be out of love. It has to be out of our love for God and it has to be out of our love for people. And we grow in that love. That's just a reality. That's why I said that earlier. I know that today I love people way better than I even did probably three years ago. You know, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? And definitely better than I did 12 years ago when I started in full-time ministry and pastoring. You know, I know, I know how to love people better. Am I great at it yet? No. Am I perfect? No. But I sure do know how to love them better, right? I, I know how to see them more through the eyes of the Lord. And so um, it's important to understand those uh, factors, that unity and love. Now, I talked about this a little bit, and I'm not going hit, to hit out on it too much. But the concept of unity um, sometimes I think is misrepresented in, in the body of Christ because... I think it's in, is it in the book of Ecclesiastes or the book of Amos where it says, how can two walk together lest they agree? I don't know why that slipped my mind. But it's hard to walk together with people you don't agree on, right? So now I can love people in the body of Christ maybe that don't, that don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They think those passed away, right, with the New Testament. Um, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are no longer in opera. I can love them. But it's kind of hard to be in unity with them because that's a basis of the power that I carry is a Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? Like I can love them, but it's going to be very hard to work with them in, in, in evangelism and the work of the kingdom because we can't agree on the very thing that carries the power that we need. Does that make sense? And so, you know, like, and that doesn't mean I don't love them. It just means they're just... It's, sometimes it's better just to love people from a distance. In a, you know, anybody. And even in the body of Christ. Some people you just have to love at a distance. Because you can't walk with somebody that you can't agree on the fundamental things that you come into... That, you know, that are essential for your walk with the Lord. Like, I'm not going to give up speaking in tongues, praying over people, laying hands on people, uh, you know, operating the gifts of healing and the working of miracles and a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom just because Joe Blow down the street don't think they are for today. 
Well, you just think what you want to think. I'm going to continue to do it. You know what I'm saying, right? And so you, you can't have unity with somebody that you, it, 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 fundamental things, you know. I'm not going to back away from the things that I know in the word. And for a long time, I tried to do that because everybody told me that's what I needed to do, you know. And here's the one thing that I found. Even in the last few couple years, with people that I know that used to walk in a much greater measure of the power of the Lord, when they started trying to appease people, right, and getting in unity with the rest of the body of Christ in their area or their region or whatever, they lost power. Why? Because you can't be, you can't walk in power attached to people that don't believe in the power of God. They believe in the power to be saved, but they, from there they're just like, we just hope to make it to heaven. You know what I mean? Like you can't walk tethered to somebody that doesn't believe in the gifts of, of the Spirit and doesn't believe in healing for today and doesn't believe in the work or think that all of those things are mere sovereign acts of God. Because that's what, well, that's a sovereign act of God. If God wants to do it, he's going to do it. Have you read the word? <laughs> we already know God wants to do it. <laughs> I wish above all things you would prosper, be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Don't get much clearer than that. By his stripes, you were healed. <laughs> I mean, don't get much clearer than that. For whatever reason, you can grab a hold of the fact that your sins have been forgiven, but you can't grab a hold of the fact that you've also been healed, right? You know what I'm saying? So you can't walk in agreement and tethered with somebody that just does not believe in the power of God. We don't have to wish them harm or, you know what I mean, or talk bad about them. We just can't walk with them. I don't want to walk with them because their religion is getting people nowhere, keeping people in bondage and spiritualizing people's dysfunction. Well, everybody's got problems. No, not everybody has, not everybody is dysfunctional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we all come up against mountains, we, but we also have the power to move that mountain. That's how we believe, right? We also know that just because Jesus has set us free, we also know that that doesn't mean the enemy's just going to give us a free, free run up the side. We know we're going to have to take that ball and we're going to have to bull over every defense that the enemy puts in our way. But that ain't going to keep us from stopping and believing God's word, right? I mean, but a lot of people, well, it is what it is. It isn't just is what it is. We get to determine, you know, where we're going to go and what we're going to do. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> The reality is, is that we have to have this demonstration of power. Like I said earlier, it's our right, every believer's right to, to every gift of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Because people need to see the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power in this earth. Um, you're not online, so you wouldn't see anything, but I don't know... Um, <clears throat> Mike, if you've ever seen Evangelist Ankit, um, little Indian guy that's connected with Pastor Rodney's ministry. Okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how old he is, but he might be close to 30 now. I'm not sure. Might be 30 now. I don't know. But he really started, you know, ministering when he was really a teenager. He, he grew up in a ministry family, spent some time with Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke and his wife, Annie, and stuff, and um, but 
like he's been really focused in on the United States of America in these last few years was really the Lord has laid on his heart. And like, like right now he's having like um, some festival of miracle things um, in some place in Florida. And he's gone all over the United States and done them. And it is amazing like to watch because he operates powerfully in miracles. Like just people literally just getting up out of wheelchairs. I mean, just like all the time. You know what I'm saying? And just like, I mean, creative miracles. Like, it is phenomenal. And I think it's amazing to me. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, and people think that stuff ain't real. How can you not think that's real? Yeah. You know, there's no reason for them. They got it on video. They didn't pay them people to do that. You know, they didn't even know them, right? You know, like, and so it's absolutely like, I just stand in awe of God. And I'm like, Lord, whatever I need to do so that I'm a prepared vessel. You know, again, and I understand the anointing is the Holy Ghost. So the, the Holy Ghost doesn't change. And I clearly understand that God uses every vessel slightly different. You know what I'm saying? But people need that here. People need that here. People need for their cancer to be gone or they're going to die next month. You know what I'm saying? Like people need it. Children need it. You know, there's a lot of things that people need, and I'm like, well, whatever I need to do to be a vessel, to be used like that, that's what I want to do. I'm not comparing myself to that man of God. I'm just saying, if you'll do it through him, you can do it through me. He can do it through you, and he can do it through you, right? Like, whoever wants it, here we are, you know? I want to do, I, why? Because I want to help people, because I love people. I don't, one, I don't want to see people burn in hell, but two, I don't want to see them suffer from cancer. I don't want to see them pay every last dollar that they earn working hard for 40 years in life to then have to go to doctors and hospitals and spend the last 10 years of their life basically confined to a bed or doctor's appointments all the time. Nobody should have to live like that. Amen? Nobody should have to see their child die from cancer. I want to help people. I want people to know the goodness of God. And we can preach the gospel all day long and teach it with our words, but we must demonstrate it with power because people are hurting and words don't help. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like they, They can, but that's not the only thing that helps. Jesus never left people with just a word. He always backed his word up with something that proved that what he said was true. Amen? That's powerful. So it's important, you know, for us (laughs) that we desire it and that we want to cultivate it. Because these gifts, you know, because really when you stop to think about it, the most, the greatest unused power and energy that's in the world today is the dormant power that's within the believer's. Of Christ. There's nothing stronger than that power. You think about there's nothing more powerful than a power that can raise somebody from the dead. Literally make their physical body come alive, their spirit come back into their body, and their soul come alive again. There's nothing more powerful than that. There's no atomic bomb, nuclear bomb. There's nothing more powerful 
in this world than the power of Christ. And there's nothing, the most, the largest, greatest, unused power in this earth today is the power lying within Christians that's just laying there dormant. It's undeveloped. Because we either don't know or we're unwilling to cultivate it the way we should so that we can use it for God's glory. And the, yes, you can tell this. I'm passionate about this. Because there's a whole world around us that need to know the power of God. They need to know the power of God. Think about the difference if you go out on those streets and begin to minister to people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while you do that, he performs a miracle right through you, right there. That's shock people. Does that mean everybody will believe? <laughs> no, but it sure will give them something to think about, <laughs> right? And it'll probably cause somebody else to believe. You know what I'm saying? If they don't, they might go tell five other people and four out of those five might get saved or hunt you down. <laughs> tell me more, right? You know what I mean? Because just because that one didn't doesn't mean somebody else will. I mean, there's a world like ice. You know, one of the things, because we're in such a small, small area, with one of the things you see is how utterly destructive drugs are to people, to families, to the young and old alike. Those that seem like they're making it in life, but they really are, like they're, they're totally addicted. They may carry a job, but they are struggling. And then those that are living on the streets and doing whatever they can, you know, stealing, breaking into people's house to get something just so they can get a little money so they can have their next fix or whatever. Those people, they need to see, they have to encounter the power of God that will set them free in a moment. In a moment. Just as Jesus delivered people from demons, we got to deliver people from the power of that spirit of pharmakia. Amen? It's important. I mean, that's one of the things ever since we came to Jerseyville, you know, which the town where we live obviously is the same way, but that's one of the things I really saw. I'm like, I want to see these people just in a moment set free from drug addiction. Not to have to keep fighting it. You know what I mean? But literally free. So the gifts are weapons of our warfare. They're power weapons that destroy the work of the enemy. But it's hard to actually go to battle with them if you, if you don't have proper knowledge of your weapons or they're not functioning properly. If you look there at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and that verse 7. Now remember, we're talking about that every born-again believer has a right to every gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12 in the Amplified Classic reads like this. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for good and profit. In some translations, it's for the good and profit of all, for the benefit of all. So that means, it says, each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It does, that means however the Holy Spirit wants to manifest, He can use you or I as the ones to, be, to do that, right? What is the best gift? To me, the best gift is the one that's needed, right? If someone needs delivered from drug addiction, they need deliverance. You know what I mean? They need it now. So you can, you know what I mean? Like certain things ain't really going to help them. Certain gifts ain't going to help them. They need to be delivered. They need to see the miracle working power of God just destroy that chain that's on them, right? 
And so the best gift is always the one that's needed uh, at the time. And we've got to understand that it's not only our right, but it's really our responsibility as believers. It's not just our right to every gift of the Spirit. It's our responsibility to utilize the gifts of the Spirit for the good and profit of all. Now I want you to consider this. When Jesus, Jesus' ministry on the earth was done as a man, not as God. Do you understand what I'm saying about that, right? Okay, Jesus was God. But when he stepped into ministry, everything he did was done as a man through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see it in his life. He walked through, as an example, the same thing that each one of us have to, from salvation into baptism, into the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the operation of that power, right? He went to the Jordan and got baptized by John, showing, if you will, as an example of salvation, all right? That was their public testimony of salvation. They got baptized. They were surrounded by water. We're not surrounded by water. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what do we mostly do? Some kind of altar call. We do, obviously, water baptisms too, but we don't do it in every service, right? I know pastors that their church is on the beach. They have baptisms all the time. You know what I mean? And I know other ones that have a, a built-in baptism. They also have them every single Sunday, right? If you can do that, fantastic. But we do altar calls. Basically, if you will, water baptism were the altar calls that we see in the New Testament, right? So Jesus showed the pattern that every person that wants to be born again and filled with the Holy Ghost has to follow. Water baptism, which is that outward evidence of what happens when we're saved. Then he gets baptized with the Holy Ghost, right? And it says now he's full um, of the Spirit. And then he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days for testing and trying because he had a major work he was going to have to do. But when he came out of that wilderness, he says he wasn't only full of the Holy Ghost, but he was full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's from that time of that baptism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and him coming out of the desert that then we begin to see him operate in the miracles, signs, and wonders. That he then began going into all the synagogues and preaching and teaching about the gospel of the kingdom. So his ministry started with that. It, that to us represents salvation, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then stepping into what it means to be a true disciple of Christ, which is to act like him, <laughs> to do what he did, to talk like him, to, to think like he does, right? And so we see that then everything that his ministry was wasn't done through the power of him being God. It was done as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now that's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around when you think about it. But it had to be done that way because otherwise his sacrifice wouldn't have been able to be complete for us, right? He had to come to earth as a man and die as a man and raise as a man in order for his sacrifice for us and our sin to be complete. And so he gave us, he's like that number one, he's our prime example then as, as how we're supposed to walk. It's that same spirit that walked with Jesus that empowered him to preach and, and teach the kingdom of God and to 
deliver people from demons and to free people from sickness and every form of bondage in whatever form it was, whether it was laying on hands, whether it was forming mud and putting it on their eyes, whether it was spitting in their eyes, spitting in their ears, right? Whatever it was, laying his hand on, on the casket of a, dead, of a dead young man, whatever it was, just sending forth a word and that person grabbing hold of them when they get home, their sick loved one was up and alive or whatever, whatever he had to do. That same spirit that empowered Jesus to do all of that is the same spirit that lives in us. He hasn't changed. Like when you think about that, <laughs> I get excited, obviously, you can tell. Because <laughs> I think, like, really, like, I mean, you can kind of see why God would choose Jesus. I mean, he, he was his son. He, he, he was perfect, you know what I mean? But he did have to come to this earth and walk as a man. I'm like, I don't know why he'd choose me. <laughs> right? But he did. He says, Jesus specifically says in the book of John, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I've appointed you to go produce much fruit. That's for every one of us that will believe and walk as his disciples, amen? That's, that's pretty good. That should make us feel good about ourselves when we're having days not feeling good about ourselves, right? <laughs> so he functioned in the gifts of the Spirit, and he's our example. So his ministry on the earth is an example of what our ministry should be on this earth. Ours should look like his. Like, go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 12. John 14, verse 12 in the Amplified Classic reads this way. I assure you, now this is Jesus talking. Most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. All right, think about that. That's Jesus talking about you and me. So we can expect to do the same works that Jesus did if we'll follow what the Word of God teaches. Amen? And you understand, this isn't just for ministers, right? This isn't just for people in full-time ministry that stand behind a pulpit or have a title or whatever. This is for believers. He says, anyone, anyone who steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Like if you go to, to uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 16 the Great Commission. It's basically the same thing. This is exactly what he's saying here. If you start, if you obviously look in verse 15 where he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, but go down to verse 17 of Mark 16. Now, over in John 14, 12, he says, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he himself, he will himself be able to do the things that I do and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Over here in Mark 16, 17 and 18, he says, And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. Those who believe. Not those who stand in a pulpit. 
Not those that have the title of pastor or evangelist, apostle, prophet, you know, teacher. But these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues or languages. They'll pick up serpents. And even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will get well. Right? So we can expect to do the exact same works that Jesus did if we just follow the word. And really, it basically boils down to just to believing and doing, right? Faith without works um, is dead. And like I said, you know, early on in my infancy in, in the things of the Spirit after I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was kind of taught there was always this division about the gifts. You know, some people have the gift of prophecy. Some people have the gift of, of working a miracle. Some people have the gift of faith or whatever. But I think that when we teach that way, it actually undermines the fullness of the power of God that's in every born-again believer. Did you get a smaller portion of Jesus? Is there, is there, do you only have a portion of Jesus living on the inside of you? No. Do you only have a portion of Jesus? No. When you were baptized in the Holy Ghost, did you just get like the, the tip of his you know, pinky finger? No. So I think when we teach like that, we undermine the fullness of the power of God that's in every born-again believer. The gifts and all the gifts are for you. Because they're for the whole body of Christ. Remember, they're for the good and profit of all. So it's important that we understand this. It's important that we grab a hold of this reality that we have a right to operate in every gift of the Spirit because we are full of the Spirit. Amen? And God wants us to do that. He desires us. He said it in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Eagerly pursue and desire the spiritual gifts and cultivate them. Amen? And he tells us, just a couple more scriptures and we're going to wrap this up. Go with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Again, there's some things we can get away with in America that you're not going to be able to really get away with. You can kind of foo-foo and fake power in America, Right? You, you can get away with some fake demonstration of power in America, but you're not going to get away with that in other parts of the world. And so in Matthew 12 and verse 29, Jesus gives us this thing. He says, how can a person go into a strong man's house and carry off his goods without first binding the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Like when you read stories about these People that go into uh, that in, in years past and went into other nations, say out in the Far East, you know, where they have all kinds of spiritualism and and weird, you know, things or you know, kind of religions, heathen religions, and all of that. You know, they couldn't just go in there with just a nice little gospel message, right? They had to go in there with power. They had to be able to operate in the gifts of the Spirit because they had to go in there and bind the strong man that was in that area, whatever it is, usually some kind of heathen religion, right? Witch doctors, shamans, or however you pronounce that. You know what I mean? Like they got, well, they got all kinds of names, you know? I mean, even in, in this nation, you know, early on, a lot of, you know, like the Native American tribes, they had kind of their own idea of God, right? They'd sit around in their little powwows and smoke some kind of, weed of some sort, you know what I mean? And get to an, another world, you know what I mean? And, but you see what I'm saying? Why? Because the heart of man has always longed for the understanding of a greater being. But because, like it tells us in the book of Romans in chapter 1, because they rejected 
To, they refused to believe that God was God and didn't give thanks for the fact that he was God. Then they were, God just turned them over to the baseness of mind, right? And so then they just begin to worship whatever they want as gods. And, and like India, I can't even remember like how many gods they have in India. You know, some part like Hinduism, like cows are sacred. I just want to eat steak. Ain't sacred, you know what I mean? But you're never going to find a, a steak over there to eat. Not in those areas, right? You might be burned at the stake or something if you do. Not steak, S-T-A-K, but S-T-A-K-E. <laughs> right? So we've got to be able to operate in a power. I think I always f- forget who this was. I never get the man of God right and who did this. If it was Smith Wigglesworth or Lester Summerall or one of those guys. It just came to mind, so I'm just going to put it out there. But they were someplace ministering. And in the middle of the night, the bed started shaking wildly, like in like jumping, hopping across, across the floor. And I don't remember which one, one, of, the, one of these men of God it was, and, and woke up and just told him, got up and told and said, oh, it's just you, and told the devil, get out of here. And he said, oh, wait a minute, put my bed back first, and literally put the bed back first, and, 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 then, and then it was out. And then one of, one of them is like they were in bed, and like someplace else in the house, this big ruckus was going on, get, and realizes the enemy's the same way, and just basically, oh, it's just you, and just went back to bed. Right? Like, like, I'm like, that's, we got to operate like that. We got to understand as greater he lives in us than he who is in the world. That we've been given all authority over the power of the enemy. There's nothing that he can do to us. Nothing. Because we're believers. There's absolutely nothing. When we take that place and stand on it, it makes a difference. Because in Zechariah 4, 6, it says it's not by might and it's not by power but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What's it mean by Lord of hosts? He's the Lord of heaven's armies, amen? He's the God of power. He's a champion. He's our warrior. It's not by my, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's no way that the enemy can get an upper hand when we understand and we walk according to the word of God and we recognize we have these gifts of, that are weapons of our warfare and the gifts of the spirit and begin to desire them. You have to desire them, desire to operate in the gift of prophecy, desire to operate in the word of knowledge, desire to operate in a word of wisdom, desire to operate in the gift of faith, desire to operate in the working of miracles, desire to operate in the gifts of healing, desire to operate in in, uh, the gift of discernment, desire to operate in speaking in tongues and desire to operate in interpretation of tongues. We've got to desire those things. Why? Because it's for the good and profit of all. It's a way we take hold of the enemy's throat and say, no, you're not having this part. Person, you're not having this city, you're not having this county, you're not having this state, you're not having this nation, you're not having this world. You've been defeated, get under my feet where you belong and I'm going to show you your history, right? We got to take hold of that and we got to tell him who's boss and show him if we'll just operate that way because Jesus ain't coming back for a weak, broken, miserable, hiding in a corner church. He's <laughs> coming back for a glorious Victor, victorious church. Amen. 
I truly hope this podcast has inspired you to hunger for the Lord and the Word of God like never before and brought heaven's perspective into your life. My desire is to help you take your eyes off the natural and to see things the way God sees them. And as you do, you will walk in victory in every area of your life. So I want to give you an opportunity to sow into the work we are doing here at Kingdom Increase Church for the kingdom of God. We are truly contending for revival, not only um, in our region here in Jerseyville, Jersey County, Illinois, and the surrounding counties in Calhoun, Madison, McCoupin, and Green, but we are truly contending to see revival sweep across the church in the state of Illinois. And when true revival, true revival hits the church in the state of Illinois, it will result in the light of Christ shining so bright to his body that the spiritually dead will awaken. So I want to give you an opportunity. We're doing it in many ways here um, at Kingdom Increase Church as we're led of the Lord. If you want to know what's going on um, with our church, the best way to find out is to hop onto our Facebook page, Kingdom Increase Church. Um, you'll find us uh, what's going on every week. We have Sunday service at 10 a.m. every Sunday and midweek service every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. We also have prayer at different times and different various services at different times. So check our Facebook page. Um, our web, we have a web page, but it's in a transition and a revamping right now. Um, but you can go to our webpage, kingdominchurch.com, and click on Give. Uh, and you'll have a safe way to be able to sow um, your financial seed into the work we're doing here. Obviously, um, you can mail um, a check to Kingdom Increase Church, 400 South Washington Street in Jerseyville, Illinois, 62052. Um, you can also text to give. Our text to give number is 618-212-8004. Again, our text to give number is 618 212 Zero four, And if you'll just pop in that number and then in your message, put the dollar amount that you want to give. And as you do, you'll be prompted to enter your information. Then from that point on, um, that it'll be easy just to drop your dollar amount in there and send it. Also, you can give to us um, via cash app. It's dollar sign, capital K, capital I, capital C, 365. Again, cash app is dollar sign, capital K, capital I, capital C, 365. Five. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for every person that listens to this podcast. It truly is my heart's desire for them uh, to see their life from heaven's perspective, to see what you see and to say what you say concerning it, Father God. And for each person that sows a financial seed into the work of the ministry we're doing here at Kingdom Increase Church. Father God, I believe and stand that on your word that they will receive a hundredfold return, hallelujah, on every seed that they sow. As we're going after the harvest to see souls saved, lives changed, and disciples made, I thank you, Lord, that this is good ground to sow into. I thank you for every person that listens and every person that sows financial seed. And I give you glory for them. Bless them, Father God. Bless them. Bless them everywhere they go and in everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen.